This is a continuation of the interview from our last episode, so please go back and check out part one if you haven't listened yet. Today, we have Robin Merkel-Walsh with us. She is a licensed speech pathologist and certified orofacial myologist with 24 plus years of experience. She's an international lecturer and author with Talk Tools. She is employed by the Ridgefield Board of Education and has her own private practice in New Jersey. Robin has authored and co-authored texts, therapy manuals, and articles in addition to ASHA and IAOM posters and presentations. Quick disclaimer, all information, content, and material of this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and is for the informational purpose only and not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Welcome to the Untethered Podcast. I am your host, Hallie Balkin. I'm a certified orofacial myologist, feeding specialist, and mentor. This podcast is all about getting your questions answered and collaborating with colleagues to bring you the most up-to-date information in the orofacial myofunctional therapy, tethered oral tissue, and airway space. I challenge you to keep an open mind and join my mission to get this information out to the masses. Let's get started. I'll tell you that in my practice, I have very few of those four and up neurotypical <laughs> in and out in four months. And when I did my onsite for my calm, it was really challenging, but also very rewarding. And it was great. Misty Bridges was my examiner and I adore her. And I think she is brilliant in um, oral facial myology and she taught me so much, but it really got my mind going because I had a lot of special needs patients that came in and I had kids that were under four um, that were either pre or post phrenectomy. And we talked through the parallel of, you know, this is called, um, you know, this exercise in oral facial myology, but when we're doing pre-feeding, you know, we're using a Z-Vibe and we're calling it this. We have the same goal. Mm -hmm. We might do, maintaining tongue lateralization from a sensory motor approach to feeding where an older patient is doing like windshield wipers and it's volitional. Mm -hmm. So it was really eye opening for Misty as well, because I go to the nth degree and it's with everything. I actually, in all of my patients program books, I put the parallel of what we would call it and how we can make it volitional with mm-hmm. a neurotypical child. So she could really see that I understood the parallel of this is how you do it with a neurotypical Traditional child. myo, yeah. This is how you, here's the myo, uh-huh. the oral motor OPT. Yep, yep. And there's such an overlap and I'm very happy to see such a close relationship between the IAOM and the Oral Motor Institute. Mm-hmm. Um, Mary Billings is, you know, now on our board, um, for the past couple of years and I am working on, and I do have an OT. I have Michelle Emanuel, who mm-hmm. we know is very versed in the tummy time method, mm-hmm. um, for tots and is an expert in infant body work. Yeah. Um, and the oral facial complex from the OT end. She is on my board now because I think the OT and now I am working on getting an RDH on my board because for many years I've known that RDHs are certified as comms, but not until I did the certification process did I really understand what their piece of the puzzle was and how important it is. So I am looking to bring an RDH onto the board to really marry 
the similarities and differences and how we can work across the continuum. I don't think we should look at it as baby myofunctional therapy per se. I think we should look at the continuum of pre-feeding, oral motor, feeding, oral placement, oral facial myology. Mm-hmm. And that's when those kids with special needs will fit so much more clearly on that continuum. Yes. Um, and, you know, I am doing a couple posters this year at the IAOM and, and I just got accepted to ASHA with Lori. Congratulations. Um, I saw that. Thank you. Um, on an oral presentation on the SLP's role in TOTS care. And I think that each profession that is integral in TOTS, especially when we're talking about special needs, what's the, you know, we're doing it on SLPs, but what's the ABA role? Mm-hmm. What's the IBCLC role? What's the RDH role? Mm-hmm. What's the OT, the PT? Um, because they may not be quote unquote comms, but they're bringing a lot of it to the table mm-hmm. to help us do what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Sometimes semantics um, help us all, including myself, um, understand better if we are all speaking the same language. Right. Um, and and I think that's hard. And I think there's even um, you know a a growing need for dentists um, and uh, RDHs to be specializing in the special need population because how important it is if. Let's use this example. If kids on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. can go and get dental exams yes. early on, starting yes. in the toddler years, because mm-hmm. one of the things I learned through my training that I didn't know, because my own son, I wanted to bring him at two, three. My dentist's like, no, you don't need to bring him this early. I'm like, no, I want you to check him, you mm-hmm. know, um, because ironically, he doesn't have tots, but he was born with a high palate, but I have a high palate too. Um, And I knew he was going to have crowding and different issues. But Misty taught me, no, no, no. It's policy to do the first evaluation at a year. Yes. If that was truly happening everywhere and we could get these kids with special needs, like we know kids with Down syndrome are going to be at risk for dental problems. Yeah. We need to get them in there at a year and tolerating this. And if we have more dentists, more RDHs, that are receiving trainings in the special needs population, mm-hmm. they're going to identify the TOTS. Yeah. We're going to see the problems early on. They're going to refer out. They're going to get the speech therapist. And then we're going to be able to all work together. And we're not going to have kids like I have now that can't tolerate their expanders. Mm-hmm. I spent a year with a little boy with a dual diagnosis of um, autism and Down syndrome. Um, it just came to me on a whim. He needed to get used to the mold to make his expander. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I put jello in it. And every week the mom would do the jello in the mold. And I would work on him desensitizing the lip retractors. And guess what? He's got an expander now. And it took mm-hmm. a long time. But that's part of our role moving mm-hmm. toward um, remediation of an OMD in this population. I saw you give that tip either. It was either in a Facebook group or one of your trainings that I've watched. And I told my airway centric dentist about that. And she was like, cause she does ALF and DNA. And okay. Like, yeah. She was like that, that's genius. She's like, do I have to send them to you to do that? Or can I like start recommending this to parents? And I was like, 
you know, if you have a child who seriously, you think you're going to have trouble doing the molds with like recommend it. If it, if it's not going well, send them to me, I'll work with them. And cause there may be some other things we need to address anyways. Right. Um, you know, and, and for the most part, they're recommending, they're sending kids for their myofunctional or feeding evals before they ever do the expansion or right. great anyways. But I know that's more the exception than the rule or the norm for most. Right. So I'm very lucky to have that relationship. Um, but yes, I was, when I heard you say that I was like a thousand light bulbs went off and I was like, that's genius. Yeah, that was genius. <laughs> yeah. That was at the IAOM convention when I was showing pictures of my patient and, you know, getting him used to kinesio taping, mm-hmm. getting him used to the mold, getting him used to the lip retractors. And, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't very happy with me, but now he's so proud of himself and already his drooling is down and he's eating better. And I've been working with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that inter orthodontic intervention, I mean, how many times I've heard, uh, I've heard of orthodontist turning away. Oh, they're not going to be able to tolerate the braces. They're going to pull them out. They can't do the expander. Mm. And I'm like, but this is the whole foundation. I can't do my job. Unless, yeah, unless you do your job. Rest. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I'm also lucky here in New Jersey, Barry Rayfield's in my backyard. Mm-hmm. I have Dr. Dina Goldman, um, who's an amazing orthodontist, um, specifically, um, you know, has a knack for working with children with special needs. Um, one of the, you know, great um, advantages, not only do we have really good food in the New York metropolitan <laughs> area, but we have yeah. the best doctors, the best orthodontists. And I know um, just from all our groups that we're in together, um, there's so many amazing um, dentists, orthodontists and, and professionals that are striving toward this, but I'm just not seeing the discussions about special needs. And yes, I agree. Well, I, I get the, the clients in my office who tell me admittedly, well, my child's four, or my child's five. We've never been to the dentist because no, I'm just, I'm fearful of what's going to happen. They're going to freak out. We're never going to be successful in getting them back there. And I'm going, Oh no, 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 no. We need to start somewhere like just an office visit or let's put them in the chair and inch him down and see what he's able to tolerate and figure out where we need to start working with him or, you know, like, let's see what he will allow us to do. And and there are thankfully a, a couple dentists in our area who are well-versed in working with special needs. But again, it's great more exception than the norm. And a lot of parents don't have access to knowing this information until they're sometimes in my office or, you know, so and, yes, there needs to be more and, education and more, more dentists in this arena. <laughs> It's so true. And I think that this is why we see some of these conversations sometimes in social media being very narrow. And what I mean by narrow is you talk about what you know, right? So in a lot of the, you know, the experts world, if they're dealing with babies all day long, you know, they're not realizing this whole other population and how it's a very different approach of, of how we have to do this therapy and how we have to get these um, kids the help that they need. Mm-hmm. Just like if you're working with all adults, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, uh, you know, not a pediatric yeah. and people are chattering about breastfeeding or toddler feeding, there might not be enough knowledge of really what's going on in, in, in that population. Right. You know? And again, it, it comes to, you know, working together inter and intra professionally, speech, yeah. speech, 
you know, in our field, we know we have people that are very negative about any kind of oral motor. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and you know what's happening? I mean, um, and as we know, you know, there was recently an article in the ASHA Leader that upset a lot of people, including myself. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I said in my letter to the editor is, this is diminishing the capacity of speech pathologists to properly do oral motor assessments and differentiate oral facial myofunctional disorders from developmental speech sound disorders. And the same is true in special needs population. I once posted a meme on my Facebook group page that was, uh, you know, and I'm big on don't send me a picture. I'm not identifying tots in a picture. I need right, to- right, right, right. <laughs> But this was a really obvious picture. I mean, Ronald McDonald would know the kid is tongue-tied. And it said, I know what this is. It's apraxia. Because, you know, 50% of the kids that I get here, and I'm I'm rounding a number. This is a research study. Yeah. 50% of the kids that I'm getting here are coming in with, you know, my kid has apraxia. I need prompt therapy. And the kid is coming in the office and I could see from across the room, they have an oral facial malfunctional disorder. Mm-hmm. They're mouth breathing, they're congested. They were already developing long face syndrome and sure enough, they're tethered. Mm-hmm. And with pre-op therapy, release post-op therapy, miraculously, their apraxia is cured. Yeah. So I'm not saying that every case of a, a, a apraxia, you know, is tongue-tied. There are kids with legitimate apraxia of yeah. speech. Um, But we need to do a differential diagnosis. We need to do an evaluation so we can figure that out. (laughs) And instead of the apraxia camp arguing and slamming no non-speech oral motor exercise, no non-speech oral motor exercise, how about coming to a crossroad and saying, look, these kids have special needs. They need a good oral facial evaluation. We need to rule out that there's not an airway problem. We need to rule out there's not tethering. Once we do that and we can see it's not an issue of tone, it's not an issue of structure, then we can go down the path of motor execution. Yes. But if they haven't had that evaluation, mm-hmm. then they shouldn't be diagnosing apraxia. I agree. Uh, you know, parents call me, no, 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 I don't need the feeding eval. I only need the approximate. No, no, honey, you need it all. Because uh-huh, I can't uh-huh. diagnose your child if I don't see it all. Yeah. And I was really happy to hear at the um, Kasana workshop that just happened recently that Carrie Ebert, who I really admire and her silly um, sounds cards that just came out, I think they're brilliant, that in her course... She talked about you have to rule out tethered oral tissue, and she oh, featured my book on her Instagram page, and I was Yay. very excited because you know what? This is an olive branch between oral facial myology and apraxia. Yes, they don't require the same forms of treatment, but a lot of times there's an overlap. Mm-hmm. You, know, you may have a kid that has childhood apraxia of speech and they're tethered. How can we work together to move forward? Because arguing over non-speech oral motor exercises isn't going to help anything. You know, yeah. it's a, uh, we're talking about 2006. So 13 year old meta analysis, let's move forward, you know, yeah. go to the yeah. OMI, go to the IAOM, read the 43 page evidence-based list that, Christy Gatto, Mary Billings, Linda D'Onofrio, myself, Nicole Archambault, put together. This yep, is and thank you for that. <laughs> thank you for that list. You're welcome. And I, and you know what? I was just gonna uh, you know write the girls 
at the end of the summer because I have too many projects, like let's get on this and add, you know, everything that's been coming out. Um, because even when I teach my TOTS course, I'm exhausted because I keep having to upload new slides new, and I'm glad to share it. But, you know, in-house, they're like, oh, another new handout because, yeah, the yeah. Evidence it's like every day I'm writing them, add this to the website, change this, yep. have to be adding this. And it's got to be evolving. Yeah. You know, you can't, you can't take the responsibility of being a lecturer and just have something and go out and keep doing it. You know, yeah. you, we yeah. have to share information with each other and you know, not everyone can get to my course. So I encourage them to go to autumns and if they can't go to autumns, I hope they go to Ellen Carlin's and sure. you know, all like giving each other that support and read all the books. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah. happy you, you know, you purchased my book. That's great. Maybe I'll spend an extra night in Disney world. You yeah. know, that's not really the, the goal of it. The goal is to educate because yes. You know, it's not only about babies, it's not only about children and adults. I really do have that passion for the special population and I want, you know, pediatricians to be aware and the people who aren't learning about it. Like, I don't mm -hmm. have to teach you about this. You know all about this. Mm -hmm. I need to reach the people that don't know about it. Right. Um, and I have some projects in the works, um, things that are going to be going along with our program, which, you know, are really targeted. You know, I don't need to target Richard Baxter's knowledge about tots. He's got that under control. I need to target the local pediatrician that does blasphemy when I send back, you know, a patient that he just thought was failure to thrive and, you know, has three oral restrictions, you know, yeah. they have upper lip, lower lip and tongue or upper buckles and tongue, you know, so it's so important. Yeah. So if we have a speech pathologist who is listening to this, that goes, okay, you know, because for me, I went to Maryland undergrad and grad. So like you, and it's funny because my aunt actually is also a speech therapist and she was actually working more with like autism and um, okay. children with more significant needs. Some of them were getting kicked out of the public schools and she was doing an OT speech, like kind of highlighted group. And so, you know, okay. um, on the side. And so I was, I went and plugged in and, um, and undergrad and worked with them. And I had no clue. She was, I didn't know what a speech pathologist was as a sophomore in college until I met, until I went and did this with her and I went, Oh, Aunt Amy, this is what you've done your whole life. And she yeah. was like, Oh, we're kindred spirits. So, yeah. so I was like, when you said that, when you said that, I was like, Oh, this is oh, I love it. I love it. Totally. So I fell into this. And then my first post-grad feeding course was Lori's course, Lori Overland's um, sensory motor feeding course through yeah. Tapwells. Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking. I didn't know my life. aunt. Yeah. I didn't know my aunt was going to be there and because we're, we're local. And so I walk in and I go, oh, Aunt Amy. And so it was funny because we were joking, well, we're feeding each other here. And she's going, hopefully, you know, 20 years from now, you're not feeding me when I'm in a nursing home. But, um, you know, so we were like, you know, she's like, but at least I know you know how in case it comes to that. Um, it was really funny. So, you know, but Lori was one of my first classes that I personally took post grad from feeding because I was in that same camp where ensomes, we don't do oral motor. That was and the only thing that I was taught from an anatomy, physiology, feeding standpoint was on adults. And that was the experience. Ensome, you're saying this and yeah. I don't even, I always say non-speech oral motor exercises <laughs> because I don't even know how to say it. It's not yeah. like a word and um, that anyone's using in any other field no, no. So, or yeah. anywhere in the world. I yeah. mean, it's accepted all over the world. It's only yeah. here that we're having a problem. So right. 
Right. Um, yeah. And, and I say this about Lori, not because she's a very close friend and of course, co-author and colleague and my better half, but it really was, it changed the way I looked at it, at everything. And it just made me want to soak up more. And yeah. You know, everyone always asks, well, where can I learn this? What can I do? Yeah. So what, what is your recommendation for like where to start if they're kind of just getting their feet wet and they right. dive deeper? Like I think the foundation is you have to understand normal to understand abnormal. And that's a Diane Barr quote. I didn't make that up. Yeah. yeah. I think people need to start with Diane Barr, Lori Overland. Mm-hmm. These are the two pioneer foundation. And I would say Morris and Klein, but they're not out there on that lecture circuit. Yeah. Yeah. But forget about learning about what TOTS looks like right away. Because everybody wants to skip the, the important steps of right. what is normal mouth development? Right. What should a baby be doing at three months? And what does is, what is normal look like? What is atypical look mm-hmm. like? Where is the breakdown? Because even if you don't want to work with babies, and I had this conversation with a therapist, well, I'm not going to take that because I don't want to do feeding with babies. That's not the point. Now, <laughs> you can have a nine-year-old that's stuck at a six-month-old level. You have to be able to know. Yes. And how much does that help you for insurance, for the school, and determining mm-hmm. services? Mm-hmm. Oh, this kid's not delayed, really, because they have the oral motor skills and the six- to nine-month-old range. Yeah. And okay? what kills me is that nobody is pushing back when we say you need to do this from a speech-language standpoint. But right. nobody seems to want to, you know, like we all know, okay, this child just, we just assess them. Their golden fristo puts them at a six month level, but they're four years old. Well, that's kind of a problem. And now we've got these numbers and to, to support from an insurance or school right. standpoint. And, you know, now we know where to start in therapy. So, but that's also, again, knowing what normal right. speech and language development looks like. So same thing with feeding. So I'm glad right. you're saying that. And once you get that foundation, I think um, Pam Marshall is gone now, but her work lives on. Yes. Um, I actually volunteer to help with her company because she was one of my mentors. Um, I help with their CE management as a volunteer. And, um, you know, her daughter is doing a beautiful job of having her work live on. And you want to look at Marshalla's techniques. You want to work, you want to look at feeding and oral placement techniques. Where are you going to get that? Talk tools, Sharp Chart. You're going to get it from Melanie Potick. You're going to get it from Nina Johansson. You're going to get it from even some online work. You can do as um, a speech pathologist or an OT, look to go lactation, learn what, you know, normal breastfeeding is supposed to look like and know yeah. the signs. So you can yeah. refer out to lactation. Yeah. And Ellen um, Carlin, I know you mentioned her before I took her. Yes, Ellen Carlin. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's when you can start looking at the therapy end. I know therapists want to go to courses and they want to learn practical. I want to walk away and do therapy, but ethically assessment is first normal, then abnormal assessment, then therapy, because if you know what's wrong, then you have a goal and you go with that goal. Yeah. Um, And I think that's very important. So, you know, TOTS is important, but there's a lot surrounding TOTS and it's not just about going to a TOTS class and running with it. Right. And I think that happens a lot when people take my course, they think they were going to come in and it's going to be like, wow, now I know what to do with TOTS. And now, and then they realize, wow, I have so much more more to learn (laughs) because I need to know the pre-feeding. I need to know feeding. And and, you know, you can't, whether one day, two days, even when we, you know, train for our calm, the four day, that's the beginning. Yes. Yeah. That's the foundation, you know? So 
there's just so much to learn and I'm not done learning. Like people ask me, well, why did you think, you know, you needed to go in this, get this certification? Cause I'm never done learning. Right. You're a and lifelong learner. People with people that can teach me and I can teach. Yeah. We're all at different levels. And yeah. That's what, that's what makes you the, that's what makes you the best type of therapist. You're always open to also knowing that there's more to learn, learning, yeah. you know, what, what's out there now. And, you know, we admit as therapists that what we were doing 10 years ago might be different than what we're doing today because we're evolving right. with the times we're evolving with what we see in therapy. And, you know, I know we always talk about how clinical evidence is the lowest, you know, or not, I don't want to say the lowest, but it's one form of evidence. That's what they say. You're, you're, that is what they say. They say it's the lowest form. Well, who cares? It's still one of, you know, the, the uh, types of evidence-based practice. And when you are doing something that's working and that's healthy and safe and, you know, people are making progress and it is supported by other clinical evidence. And there happens to be a lot of evidence out there, sometimes not in the speech pathology journal. So people are not always looking in the right place, you know, right. I think well, a lot yeah. to be said about this, you know, this topic. So we won't go there because that's a whole very other true. Podcast, <laughs> that's very true. And what's also very true is that it's a very important to remember that anything that is um, rudimentary, common, and well accepted today was someone's pioneer idea. Yep. And the problem that we have in our particular area with TOTS, oral motor, oral facial myology, is we don't have enough professors that are interested in it. Mm-hmm. And I encourage, at this point in my career, I cannot do it. But I encourage the younger clinicians that are really passionate about this, please go get your PhD, go get your clinical D, go get your EDD Mm -hmm. and do the research because I'll be the first to admit, I know some therapists are like really geeked out on analyzing research and this is what's wrong with it. I always look at the positive. Mm -hmm. I'm not out to, and, and you know, sometimes I have to, sometimes I have to take a study when it really like negates everything I believe in and everything I see working and dissect it. But I try not to do that because I think we'll move further forward by taking studies and say, this is the good we could pull out of this study, this recent breastfeeding study. What's good about it? We know that a high number of the kids that came in Two thirds of that, yeah, well, yeah. Not, you know, a third of them. I think it was a third, yeah, about thirty something percent needed surgery, yeah. and we know that the functional assessment is key in determining the surgery. Great yeah. information. Yeah. The other things that people are picking on, okay, then let's perfect it in the next study, or let. What does that mean? What do we have to do next? Right. I'm not a researcher. I'm a clinician, mm-hmm. but. I do a lot of meta-analysis and I look at, and and I'm trying to get more into it. My friend, Dr. Jennifer Moore, she's a prompt instructor, also talk tools certified, also has done my TOTS training. And she helps me look at research and she helps me grow. And she does research herself. Her and I did a study together on social media. So it's it's very important that we're able to look through the pillars of evidence-based, but we also have to remember that when we talk about Dan Garliner and one right. of the first ones to right. develop a myo program, people yeah. probably thought he was nuts back oh, then yeah. too. 100%. You know, um, <laughs> the earth was also flat and uh-huh. we had no electricity. Right. I always right. say I'll be famous when I'm dead. Right. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. It has to start somewhere and somebody's got to take all, all the hate mail for it, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Gosh. not easy. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Robin. Is there anything else you want to add that we haven't covered already? I know we've talked if there's so many good nuggets in this. I think people will no, just keep learning, keep discussing, keep debating, but you know, 
you have your debates, but you still got to respect and, and, and love the people for what they're doing at the end of the day. Know your scope, stay in your lane, but help bring others' knowledge up to a different level so we can cross-refer. Yeah. And, you know, join the Aura Motor Institute, follow us. Yeah. Um, I really try to do get as much. If you have information you want me to share, please reach out to me if you're listening to this podcast and take as many classes as you can afford or the time that you can get off of work. Mm -hmm. And finally, find a mentor. You know, when Char interviewed me, I said, you know, it's hard, but if you can find a mentor, I would not be where I am today, if I didn't have my aunt, if I didn't have Sarah, if I didn't have Lori, Roberta Pierce, Diane Barr, Pam Marshalla, and Char Beauchard, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm here for people um, at Talk Tools. We're here for people. And you know that very well through the Private Practice Association, yeah. through yeah. all our organizations. Sometimes people are afraid of me and I don't know why, because I'm actually really... You're very nice. I just say that, you know, sometimes people will say that and go, she's a New Yorker. It's a New York thing. I mean, if you're afraid of all New Yorkers, you shouldn't go visit there. But, well, yeah. but Robin's really nice and she wants to help. Yeah. I'm, an, I'm a New Yorker, but I also have a lot of passion for what I do. Yes. yes. You know, and I want to help people, but I also mm -hmm. want to stop bad things from happening too. And like, you have five hours to spend on social media every day. So sometimes it's like quick and to the point. I think that's where people are like, oh, there's no fluff here. It's like, quick to the point and yeah. they kind of something no time for fluff. You know yeah. what? You yeah. do fluff when you're having a full day class, when, right. you know, right. you're meeting with your colleagues for yeah. a glass of wine and having yeah. a long leisurely dinner and you can kind of talk things out. But you know, when it comes to facts and, and things like that, it, it's hard. And, and we all have a voice and most of the people that are in tots are very passionate and yeah. very type a mm -hmm. and pioneers and there's room for all of us you mm -hmm. know and Absolutely. i'm really glad i got to talk to you because even if it helps one person it helped less people than you know when i woke up this morning right, so right. that's what it's all about yep well and so people can find you um your courses are on talktools.com there's also yep. robin walsh.com and oralmotorinstitute.org which i know we've mentioned yeah um, we'll put that in the show notes so people have those links and then Excellent. Um, i know you have your reference list your extensive reference list so um if you want to send that over to me we'll include that in the show notes as well so of that course. you have all access to the lovely uh, comprehensive list of research and, you know, meta analyses that you guys have pulled together and worked so hard on. So thank you so much, Robin. It's been a pleasure having thank you on. You. It was my, the pleasure really. I'm so happy and, and congratulations to you. And thank you for doing this because you're able to, um, pull together a lot of different professionals from a lot of different paths, working with a lot of different populations. Yeah. And if we all listen to each other, not mm -hmm. here, but really listen to each other, um, I think we can really move forward to really great things. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. When this didn't exist, I was like, somebody's got to create it. And I guess that's going to have to be me because <laughs> I went to, <laughs> to it on oh. podcasts and it wasn't there. So here we are. <laughs> Okay. You have a great night and thanks so much. Thanks okay. So much, bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you want to hear more of these Mayo Tots airway and feeding related episodes, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or pledge a small amount on patreon.com forward slash the untethered podcast. If you found value, others you know in this space will too. So be sure to share this episode on your social media platforms and join us over on Facebook, on my Facebook page at Hallie Balkan Biz, on Instagram at, at Hallie Balkan. And you can head over to untetheredpodcast.com to grab a copy of the show notes where you can also subscribe to be kept up to date on the latest podcast episodes. Big shout out to Dana McKay, podcaster extraordinaire for editing and helping me keep this podcast alive.